Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to Wealth Wednesday, a new weekly show that we're doing in addition to the Friday interviews. You know, these Wealth Wednesday episodes are going to be focused on um, having a conversation around trending topics around the world and in world news as well. Uh, as well, our goal is to provide perspective on what's going on um, from our perspective, from our community, right? So again, every single Wednesday, Wealth Wednesday is dropping trending news, um, trending topic, business ideas and, and content and possibly guests on the show as well. And as always, welcome my co-host, Jeremiah. How you feeling, bro? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you being here. Obviously, I'm super excited. Love every Wednesday we get to come out, talk to people, relate some of these stories to how we live, right? And what it means to us. So let's get it. Absolutely. Let's get it. So obviously, let's just jump right into it. The biggest news that just recently came out, uh, I think it was yesterday morning that came out. First Republic Bank was seized and sold to JP Morgan Chase. Uh, Regulators seized the Treble Bank early Monday morning, making it the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, right? Uh, First Republic was promptly sold all of its deposits and most of its assets to J.P. Morgan Chase in a bid, which is, that's kind of crazy. J.P. Morgan will be taking on roughly $92 billion worth of deposits and $203 billion in loans and other securities um with the silicon valley bank failed in march again this is the second largest regional bank with assets over 200 billion dollars to fail and really the the lore of first republic bank was for the wealthy clients right uh with low-cost mortgages that will help attract healthy savings uh, for the for the uh wealthier people out there and you know with the interest rates going up you know, that obviously has something to do with it. But uh, Jeremiah, what, what happened, bro? You know, what was the risk? And, you know, kind of walk us through what's next. You just before we hit record, you just mentioned that two other banks. Uh, I'm not sure the size of them failed this morning as well. But what, yeah, talk to us, man. What's going on? Um, so obviously this is something that has been weighing on people's minds. And if it, if it hasn't, you know, if you kind of been under a rock or you just feel like it doesn't apply to you or how does it apply to us? Right. Working class, normal people. There's always a trickle down effect, right? So anything that's up top, anything that's affecting the banking, the the whole entire financial system, it's going to hit you eventually, whether it's your bank, your credit union, right? Uh, The instability that people started to see with SVB, then moved into First Republic. First Republic was trying to save itself, right? But there was all, basically what happened is there are practices and there are things that banks should be doing to upkeep themselves, right? And to keep constant flow of deposits um, to lend appropriately, right? Making sure that they give out money the way that it should be going. And then also understanding that as a bank, you have to continue to try to strive to keep credibility. So there's some things that people looked into and the Fed has been looking into a lot of these cases. They looked into SVB, also looked into First Republic, there's been stuff going on since like 2021 that kind of gave signs that this was going to happen, right? Bank kind of warns, do an audit. They say, hey, you guys should probably switch this up. Things weren't changed. Next thing you know, you see SVB, they were closed out. First Republic actually um, had received some loans 
right? Receive some some deposits. So deposits of cash. So has some cash infusion from Chase, um, Bank of America. Also had Wells Fargo. All the big banks were giving money into them, but it just wasn't enough, right? To to hold them stable and to create that stability. So once you lost that stability um, in people's minds and saying people saying, well, this is not a stable place for me to put my money. There's a deposit run. Deposit run just basically means where people go and take out their money out of the bank and say, hey, I need my money, you know, because I'm seeing all this going on. I'd, I'd rather just have my money in my in my pocket or in my house than you having it in, in your bank. And so if enough people do that, you know, people have to understand the money that you see on the bank account, like when you open your app or whatever like that, that money's not physically sitting there. Mm -hmm. And so if enough people come to take the money, it causes a it causes bankruptcy for basically for the bank. And so this is what happened with First Republic. Um, and like you said, it's pretty crazy because all this is going on. And then today, like uh, there's the bank system that's called PacWest. And then another bank system that's called Western Alliance, they crash in their regional banks as well. They crashed. Right. And this just continues. I think last week we spoke on it and I said, this is not the end. Now you're just seeing where that ripple effect is starting to affect multiple different areas, different banks. And it, it, it is crazy that it started off with SVB, but it didn't end there. So it's still going on. So I'm wondering, those two banks that fell today, were they sold to another larger bank as well? No. So what they're saying is, uh, and I'm looking at, this is this literally like just happened. They said yeah. like uh, an hour and a half ago. But uh, investors remain convinced that the worst was not yet over for the troubled regional banks. Um, stock drop for both institutions came one day after J.P. Morgan Chase purchased First Republic, which is what we were talking about, in a deal that was designed to restore stability to the banking system after two months of turmoil. Um, what ended up happening is all of their bank, what they lost stock and the bottom fell out of their stock. And so everyone saw that the stock was falling off because First Republic was getting purchased and it was a regional bank. So that causes instability, right? throughout the entire system of regional banks. Everyone made a deposit run. They were looking to get their money. Wasn't purchased by anybody, but the part people came to get their money. And so what ended up happening is stock lost its ability to stay float and stay liquid. Stock was suspended. Banks mm -hmm. fail. Mm. This is where you're at. Wow. Uh, man, this is crazy. So crazy. I'm curious, man. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, What's next, right? You said it's not going to stop. You know, this is just a ripple effect. Are we going to see a situation where a lot of these, maybe not even a lot, just a couple big banks like JP Morgan are just going to start buying up these little ones and it's going to be maybe one or two banks out there? Or what are your thoughts about that? To be honest, um, probably about a month and a half, two months ago, maybe more longer than that. I said, this just seems like the perfect scripted thing to do from a mm -hmm. big bank scenario, right? Uh, if you guys remember, obviously, crypto has played a huge part with deposits not going into banks, you know, um, DeFi, that whole movement, people moving money into taking it out of the banks, putting it more into maybe like annuities, life insurance, things like that. We'll obviously get into that a little bit later, but people making changes and controlling their own money. What would you do or what move would you make as a bank, right, as the big banks, if they got together and met, what would you do to make sure that people started believing in you again? Well, this is what I would do. I would create a destabilization point, right, down with some smaller banks and get people to see that we come in, bail them out, 
And what is it do what it does is help me to purchase more market share of banks. I have more deposits, more cash flow. And now people see that we're stable because we came and bailed them out. So to me, to be honest, it just seems like a plan. And I yeah. think there will be more Wells Fargo is going to get their share. Bank of America will get their share. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Wow. Um, yeah, that's great. So you have anything else on that First Republic? Anything else that was missed that we need to cover? I know you mentioned, um, obviously, it was sold to JP Morgan. No, and you said... Right. No, I was just going to say it was sold to JP Morgan. Um, you're mentioning that did they kind of bend the rules for it to be sold to them? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. um, what ended up happening, there's a rule that in the early 20th century, um, you know, the Antitrust Act was basically built. And so you don't have things like, um, for better lack of a word, Microsoft and Apple joining together and totally controlling the whole entire Monopolies. computer industry, right? Things and laws were placed in place, right? Monopolies for banking as well. It's a trust, right? And mm -hmm. so you'd have it to where they control everything. Yeah. JP Morgan Chase was already the biggest bank. And so you had it to where they controlled, you know, um, they weren't supposed to control more what they said, more than you know, it was like 47% of the actual deposits that were going into the banking institution here in America. Well, with this First Republic, they've crossed over that line. Now, how, how could they do that? They couldn't even purchase it with the current rules of the laws the way they were. And so literally the Fed and lawmakers had to meet to allow them to go and purchase this bank. So they did a, an emergency session, passed it like, yep, you can go and purchase it. It's all good. We say yes. And so there's rules that are being built and stuff that it's crazy. crazy. Like no one even talks about that because yeah. now you got JP Morgan, Chase. They they run everything basically. They they have a huge market share, more than everybody. That's crazy. Um, transitioning a little bit, some other big news that recently came out is uh, Disney. Walt Disney has begun a second wave of layoffs on Monday, yeah. involving thousands of jobs as a part to eliminate yep. seven thousand positions and save about five and a half billion dollars in costs. Uh, man, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, we'll, we'll jump into what's happening, but when's the last time you experienced something like this with all these mass layoffs, um, some of these big department stores filing for bankruptcy and whatnot and closing? Uh, when's the last time you personally have experienced something like this? Have you ever? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to show my age right now. No, I, I have. Um, I'm going to show my age right now, but 2008. Yeah. Right. I was just getting out of college. And all of this stuff was happening like it was the worst time to be coming out to try to get a job. I, it's, I imagine it's like what people feel like getting out of college now. Um, but, yeah, this is the same thing that I saw in that recession, which was huge. Right. You saw stores closing, retail stores closing, obviously the various real estate, all this stuff going on. Uh, big tech giants were laying off people. You had all this stuff going on. It, it's just strange to me, man. Um, Disney. Yeah. It's it's crazy. They've they've had a change of guard. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Disney that's kind of outside yeah, of this, but we can get into that in a second. But yeah, 2008 is the last time I saw. So so real quick, what what are some like stores back then that were closing down or mass layoffs that you guys were just like? Because I mean, obviously, uh, I'm not that young. I remember 2008. I was probably uh, I'd say like 14, 15 or something like that. But 
you know, that news didn't hit me, right? Yeah. But like to you and your perspective, what were like some stores or some companies that you were like, wow, that's crazy that they're, they're laying off 7,000 positions? Yeah. So, I mean, you had Circuit City. Yeah. It's probably one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. right? Um, man, they Circuit City used to be huge. People probably don't even remember who they were, but Circuit City was very similar to Best Buy, yeah. right? You yeah. go get stuff, computers, stuff like that. I mean, they just got hit really hard. They were laying people off. There were rounds of layoffs. They ended up going just bankrupt and just completely being wiped off the face of the earth. Mm. Um, during that time as well, Toys R Us, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. This is when Amazon started to peak. And crazy story about that. Amazon actually started off selling their toys and stuff for them because Toys R Us didn't want to deal with the hassle of selling direct to consumer. So they mm. used them. You know, They actually brought them in, brought Amazon in, and they learned. Yeah. So- this is, is, it's crazy. It's like history repeats itself and it's not sure. even that long ago, right? It's like 15 years ago and it's, it's happening all over again. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so talk to us, bro. What's going on? I mean, obviously we know why Disney is laying off, um, you know, all these people in these positions and uh, obviously they want to save money. And I think there's, when you look at signs and you look at trends like this, obviously they see something in the future that the regular person doesn't, right? Um, I think under the previous leadership, right, under the previous CEO before Iger came back, they were on a completely different um I don't I don't do politics, but they were on a completely different side of politics. They were on a completely different agenda, you know, um much more liberal approach, yeah, right? Yeah. And so when Iger comes back, he's a much more middle of the road independent or or more conservative in the way he feels of his beliefs and things like that. So a lot of the programs and the things that were happening I think Iger wanted to get rid of them as 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 it is, but um, the previous CEO getting into it with DeSantis and creating this horrible rift between government and Disney there in Florida, Iger's trying to work his way back up out of that. And so I think he just wanted a reason to get rid of these a lot of these guys because if you look at it, he got rid of the leaders in uh, Disney Plus and the streaming service, right, which is added crazy numbers of subscribers like they were up there battling with netflix as to new subscribers and and, you know and as as it went with that so it wasn't what that they're not being you know profitable um it's basically just i think that there is a changing of the guard Iger came back he wants to change things he wants to run a little bit differently it remains to be seen if if it's going to work because under the previous CEO, you could say what you want about his politics, but Disney was growing like crazy with money. For sure. Right? Disney Plus was introduced. They had a lot of great ideas. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think the whole saving money, and I, I, I don't know. I think I, I think that's a that's a little bit of a just a front. Mm-hmm. I believe that he wanted to kind of get rid of them, bring in his people. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Man, with them Disney price them tickets and whatnot they don't think they need to save any more money <laughs> yeah but people just keep buying but Jesus. Um, 300 dollars for one ticket crazy crazy i i think there was an article that came out i don't know like maybe two months ago or three months ago i think the average price the average cost for a family to go to disney i think it's over a thousand dollars something like that a family of four over a thousand dollars easily Yep, easily. Yep, yep. But on some lighter news, uh, let, let's transition a little bit. You know, I, I know there's some people out there that are probably like, hey, what does this all mean for us? What can we do about this information? You got mass layoffs, you got banking systems failing. 
um, you know, the last thing that we want to do on this show is just create fear. Like we spoke about that last week where you got other platforms, other people out there that are just trying to grab your attention, get followers with just creating fear based content. Right. So we want to give you the information, but we also want to step into, yeah. you know, some different ways that um, can benefit you. Right. And, and some action step for you guys. So recently came across an article that was talking about life insurance versus Roth RIA. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I want to, what we want to do on here is just kind of break down the pros and cons of both and how to decide where to put your retirement money at. Um, you know, something that Jeremiah and I know, I think uh, more than two thirds of Latinos are not putting aside anything through workplace saving vehicles, such as 401k plans, life insurance, or anything, right? So, um, speaking specifically to our community, that's something that we're failing at and we need to do better at. So, um, you know, we have all the resources and information and we want to definitely be a resource for you guys today. So let's break down the pros and cons between both of them. Cool. So um, anytime that you're looking at a Roth IRA or someone that's moved into the space of utilizing a Roth IRA, what is it? Um, it's basically an independent retirement account, right? That's what IRA stands for. Roths, they are great because in most cases, people are looking at, I don't want to be taxed on this. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's money you put in post-tax. You've already been taxed from your job, right? This is money that you got in your paycheck. You take that money, you put it into your account. It's not taxed again, right? So any distributions or anything, you take money out of that. You don't got to worry about taxes. Now, the only, I'll say that that's great because you don't have to worry about it. Like in a 401k getting taxed later, right? Um, and the Roth, you control it, you control where your money is going and where it's invested. That's some pros on it. It's phenomenal. Now, a couple cons on the Roth is the fact that there are contribution limits. Mm. Contribution limits, what do you mean by that? That means that it changes yearly, but this year you can only contribute $7,300 a year, right? This total year of 2023 into that Roth. Mm. So it has limitations. Also, Quick, quick question. Um, quick let's question. say that you're making some money. What? My bad, bro. So, yeah, you said it changes every year. I actually didn't know that. Uh, what determines the amount and, you know, the limit, right? Like, what is it the market? Like, what determines that? Yeah, so they try to make it shift according to inflation, um, um, right? Okay. Taxation changes, things like that. So they try to shift it according to that. If inflation has gone up, try to give you a little bit of more money. But really, honestly, the value of what you put in, right, it's probably equal to what it was the year before with inflationary costs. So that's what usually determines it. Another con that we were talking about was if you make too much money. So let's say you make more than as a single person, make more than one hundred and ninety four thousand dollars in a year. You can't contribute to a Roth. It's illegal for you to contribute. Hmm. Right. And then if you make more than uh, two hundred and fifty three combined as a married couple, then you can't contribute to a Roth. Right. So there's some limitations. There's some contribution limits. There's uh, income limits that you have. Now, come over to life insurance. Let's go with the cons first. I'm going to say what some of the cons or something somebody thinks about is the fact that they have to pay for the cost of an insurance policy. Right. So there's a monthly premium, they call it, that you have to pay. And they're like, well, dang, that kind of sucks. But if you think about it, you put money into something monthly anyway, if you have a 401k or you should be right into a savings or something. And so that's kind of how you can look at it is that I'm just putting money away. Same as I would do with a savings. That's what my premium is. And it goes toward into uh, building cash value. But that's a con that people say. 
another con that people would say is if it's not structured properly, right? Like, so basically, if this plan isn't built the right way, then the money that you put into it, you can end up losing that money. That's true. If you don't structure it properly, the money you put in will go more toward paying for the inference than it will building up cash value that you can take money or withdraw or loan off of. Um, but pros, the money you put into a life insurance policy, you never have to worry about it being taxed ever, right? As a matter of fact, they actually call these type of policies the rich man's Roth because wealthy people have been using these type of policies for years. They don't use Roth. We just said that they can't use Roth IRAs. So they use these life insurance policies. You never pay taxes on any other money that you build up and the interest you accrue in it. And then you um, on the another pro is the fact that you don't ever have to worry about your money being exposed to the market like volatility. Right. Mm. So you never have to worry about losing money versus you put it in a Roth. Obviously, it's exposed to the market. 401k is exposed to the market. But in a life insurance policy, you never have to worry about that. They have something that's called a floor. Um, at zero percent, which means you can never lose any of the gains that you accrue. You can never lose any of the money that you put into it. It's principle protected. Love it. Great information. Um, we can start wrapping this thing up. You know, if anybody has questions about life insurance, uh, setting up their Roth IRA, where can people reach out to you? Where can people contact you at? Yeah. So on Instagram at Rico Ramirez 86, probably the easiest way to get to me because the DM, it hits on the phone. It's just like a text message, right? So, yep, just hit me there and we're good. Or they can hit you. If they know you personally, they can hit you and then you can hit me. You know, you know how that works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you guys for tapping into another episode to Wealth Wednesday. Again, we bring these, obviously, with the title. We bring them every single Wednesday. We want to bring you guys this trending news. Um, quick information. Allow you guys to digest it and apply it to your life. Uh, with that being said, go ahead and share this episode with one other person that needs to hear this information. A lot of quality information um, in these episodes. And go back and hear some of the other episodes that we uh, recorded as well. This is episode three. So, um, yeah, thank you guys once again. And with that being said, it's your boy Chris. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.